Okay. Do you have to accept it on that end? Yep. All right, perfect. Hi, guys. This is Charlie Peck back at you for Thriving School Community. We've got Dr. Zach Bauermeister. Now here, I'm going to say Bauermeister. That, did you hear that pop in there? Yep, I threw you off. That's what happens. Maybe it um, just naturally happens to people. I know. I didn't even think of yeah. that before. Now I didn't. Okay, so we have Dr. Zach Bauermaster here. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on. Yeah, well, you know that we have education leaders on here talking about how to improve this darn mental health system. We've got to have a better experience for our kids and we've got to improve the crisis. And I can't wait to dive into your perspective on how we help teachers. I know you have some, some information to share there. So let's first talk about um, the, the way we connected is because we both have books through ConnectEd Publishing. And so I've been following your stuff. Could you please just tell people about your first book, Leading with a Humble Heart? It's, it's really inspirational. Yeah, so I, I wrote a book, Leading with a Humble Heart, and it's a 40-day devotional for leaders. And, and how it started was I, I actually, in 2015, 2016, uh, my life had always gone as planned. I, I went to high school. I, I met my, eventually became my wife. We dated in high school. I went to college. I played basketball. I graduated. I got a teaching job. Um, we had our first child and had our, had our second child and things had always gone as planned. But then I, I hit something that I didn't know was happening. And here I came to find I was going through a season of anxiety and depression myself. And, and I was up in the middle of the night. I, I was going to the doctors because I thought something was wrong with my heart. And I, I just couldn't focus and I, and I was out of it. But during that time, um, I, I really um, started journaling. So I started writing a lot. Uh, I was really in the, the word of God, reading the Bible, journaling. And, and as I was going through that, along with teaching and then working towards my administrative certification, I just saw um, all these leadership lessons come together. So it's a 40-day devotional that really started. I fell in love with writing during that really challenging time in my life where I just jotted down a lot of thoughts and feelings, um, combined that with leadership lessons that I was learning and experiencing, and also tying it into scripture. Wow. So your perspective is great because not only are you in leadership now, you are an aspiring superintendent. And I know that you're ready to do that. You've got your papers, but I do want to go back to you being a teacher, experiencing that because when you are in this role that you're in now, and when you do even climb that ladder, that perspective from the teacher viewpoint is so imperative in order for us to help them. So talk about what you experienced then and how it helps you in your leadership role even now. Yeah, I think of you hear it a lot leading with empathy. I call it uh, I saw a video once called Perspectacles by Human uh, Houston Craft. Nice. And basically you you put on it was about a kid who was walking around a school and and he was just picking on people just going through his day and the custodian handed him a pair of glasses and I said I think you forgot these. He's like they're not mine but he put them on and when he put those glasses on above their heads he could see different feelings and thoughts that they were going through. And, and I think this time in my life, when I was experiencing that anxiety and depression, um, I guess you could call it a hidden story. No one would have guessed it. Um, no one would have guessed it. I could have put up a good front. Um, but then I actually, I actually got hit with anxiety, got really nauseous in the stomach during a meeting and, and I passed out. Um, wow. so, so that anxiety had hit me yeah. and then it led to conversations where, then as a teacher, I was with my principal and we were just talking about it. 
And that was Mr. Gladfelder. I can still remember that conversation and just how much he supported and how much he came alongside me. And just that whole experience, how I've grown since from those years in 15 and 16 has really opened my eyes to lead with empathy. And I'm an administrator now, but I'm a firm believer in I need to take care of those teachers first and foremost to make sure they're healthy and they're in a good spot so that they can take care of the kids in the classroom. Um, so I, I often hear that I need to remember to make decisions in the best interest of the kids. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And part of making best interest in the kids is making best interest in taking care of the teachers. So that's really a lens I operate with as a as a building leader. Wow. You know what? We need to dive into that because you're yeah. you're being very vulnerable right now. And of course, I, I know people appreciate that. And especially leaders who listen to this and, and um, mental health leaders, too, who are visionaries, they know the value of being vulnerable. So I want to go back to you teaching. So you said that you had some anxiety. You said you were nauseous. How else did that show up for you as a teacher? That yeah, so, yeah, I just remember a foggy lens, like just like a like I just felt almost like a disconnect with reality. And I was really battling it like uh, so a lot of mine was I experienced physical symptoms like like I had the chest pain. I, I felt some tingling in my hands, but then like a increased heart rate and sweaty palms, like some, I guess you could say some stereotypical re responses to anxiety. But but with that, I almost became um, just really self-aware to all of that all the time. And I'd be like, oh, no, wait, I'm off. I'm, I'm very anxious. So I remember just experiencing that. But here's what I was also doing. I was just trying to keep it all to myself. Like, hey, I, I need to have it all together. Um, why? I, I why love, do you think you had to do that? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was, as I shared earlier, I mean, I, I had a great upbringing, but everything always went as planned. Things were going well. And just to have, to have this image of having it all together. Casting Crowns has a song at the beginning. It says, keep it. The song's called Just Be Held. It says, keep it all together. Everybody needs you strong, but life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And that's sort of where I was in that moment. And, and it was really challenging. And, and maybe as we talk through it, I'll start to open up more about how, hey, then I just started to talk to my wife like, hey, I feel off. Like, I didn't know what to say, but I was like, I just feel off because I didn't really know what it was. And, and we, would have, we would have a lot of conversations and she was great. And she would listen. She got to the point. She was like, I think you need to talk to some other people as well to get some insight. So it was great to be able to, even just starting to talk about it, I felt relief and I started to feel better. And then what is absolutely unbelievable, and I've, I found this with my book, when you open up with those vulnerabilities, you realize how many other people are experiencing very similar things. Yeah. And so that that's part of what I was going through there as a teacher. Wow. And it's a 40 day devotional for leaders. So what what can they expect when they open up your book? Yeah, so it's it's broken down. It's a fairly simple read, and that's a goal because part of it is just to create. Throughout my struggle, I realized how much I need to create space in the morning um, for me and and for me personally to be a to be in alignment with God and walking alongside and following Him. Um, so just to create space in the morning, I, I have a seven S model at the beginning of it where you create space, you have stillness, you surrender. Like, hey, I'm not in control. You study the word of God, you scribe by journaling, and then supplication, you reach out with um, just prayers and, and things that you need, and then you go out and serve. And then the, the daily devotionals are, they start with a title, and then there's a scripture verse, 
And then there'll be a paragraph or so about a personal story. And you'll find a lot with my writing, I use a lot of quotes. Like the, the bibliography in, in my writing is usually pretty big because I think it's important to use a lot of quotes and the impact of people who have shared things with me, whether it's a podcast or a book or people in my life. And I share a leadership story and then I tie it back into that scripture of how that was seen in the Bible, whether it was with Moses, David, Joseph. And then I bring it all together at the end with some reflection questions where people can just sit down for a few minutes in the morning, reflect on the impact it can have on them personally and their leadership as well. Wow. And so you can lean on that, it sounds like. And um, like, I know that you're you're not a pushy guy. I know that. And so as we're sitting here, I keep leaning towards that because I feel like leaders have so much on their plate. Like when we work with teachers, we constantly hear them say, well, they, they don't value me. They don't, they don't appreciate me. And I'm like, yes, they actually do, but there's a disconnect somewhere. So where is the disconnect? Do you think? Yeah, there's, I've thought about this the other day. There's always been, you hear like if a teacher goes start to take their admin cert, oh, you're going to the dark side. You know, sometimes there's even a disconnect right there, like administration, administration and teachers. And I'm a firm believer in, hey, we're all on the same team. Uh, we are on the same team. And I, and I think it is it is important for administrators to continue to keep the lens of a teacher. Like you're in there with those students, you're you're on the front, they're on the front lines with them and being able to be really supportive. But going back to it, just like that principle in my life, remembering they're human beings. And we we try to help them, we try to help them see that in the students. And we need to make sure we're seeing that within the teaching staff as well. Like they're human beings. And I've heard, I've heard um, just unbelievable stories and difficulties of different teachers and different staff members and things that they're experiencing. And it's important to keep those. Obviously, we want to continue to to keep pushing forward and, and growing and helping students do their best. But but ultimately, we're education's a people business, and we're here to serve and we're here to support people. So that's what that's what administrators and school leaders need to be doing for their entire staff. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're sitting there listening and trying to figure out, well, what do I do when I'm trying everything that I can and I'm still getting this negativity from my staff? How would you handle that? Yeah. That's tough. I think, I think it's important to build it or sometimes it's hard to backtrack. And I think there's a really good book, the first 90 days by Watkins about when you're going into a role that you can get caught up in other things, but you, you need to be focused. They said almost be like an archaeologist with the culture. Just really meet people, meet with them one-on-one, let them see you pretty early on, have those one-on-one conversations, really build that trust. But then actions, actions are huge. So you have those conversations, but then you build those relationships through your actions when you when you're there to support them. If there are struggles, if you get into, a, if an administrator gets into a spot where they just think they can't connect, I, I recommend, sometimes it, it really comes down to communication. And, and oftentimes we let it go too far. When a situation requires communication, the most, sometimes that's when the least amount of communication occurs, I find. Wow. So maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe it's going, you just think about, I think about my marriage. <laughs> I think about. Um, maybe when there's a crisis at school, when everyone's coming together and you think there should be a lot of communication, sometimes there's a communication breakdown and also with the people that need to be communicated with the most. So, and sometimes that's uncomfortable conversations. 
Oh, that's a tough one. Those uncomfortable yeah. conversations. How do you approach yeah. that then? Yeah, but so you go into that and sometimes you just need to be straightforward. I just had this conversation with the assistant principal today and it's it's probably a line that's been said a lot. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. So just the approach and how we have those conversations. We're not attacking. Um, often the best way to approach those difficult conversations is by asking questions and really gaining a perspective of the other side. I think about it when I watch these NCAA basketball tournament games, you have a call by the referee and both teams, both fan bases see it completely different. Mm. And that, that reminds me of what we do in school as we look at situations, as people have different perspectives, getting to the root of how somebody else is looking at it as well. Michael Fullen, he uses the term impressive empathy and he calls it the ability to understand those who disagree with you. So it's not that you're going to agree on everything, but an ability to understand where they're coming from. And, and I also heard uh, Pastor T.D. Jake say, you want to have compassion without compromise. So as you navigate those conversations and difficult um, situations, just having that mindset, really asking questions through the use of stories, sometimes to, or, or you're able to reach and connect with people. Wow. And it sounds like if you have a relationship with them already and they trust you, those are probably easier conversations to have. Yeah. It, it, it's still hard conversations, but it's easier to work through. I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily easy is the word, but you're able to work through it more effectively. Mm, that's a good word because we have to, we have to be more effective in our approaches if we're going to get anything done, right? Yeah. If we're going to have forward movement. So that's yeah. a great word. I do love that. Yeah. And what about the biggest challenge in maybe your building or your district right now, what's going on with mental health there? What's the biggest challenge? Yeah, so our our district's an interesting district. So we are in the southern end of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We have a lot of farmland. So we actually, our school district makes up 20% of the square mileage. But within that, we have a lot of rural poverty. So if you take a city, for instance, where you might have some poverty, they have sometimes direct access to resources. Here, where we're spread out across the county, our families don't have as much direct access to resources. Wow. So you, you can see that rural poverty um, play a role in the, in the community. So a little bit of more background here. I went to school in this district. I taught in this district. However, when I got into administration, I was in another district, I was in two other districts in the northern end of the county for five and a half years. Great learning experience. I returned to Solanco in this role in January, and my eyes have really been open in this specific district to the rural poverty. So it's it's really everyone hands on deck. I know Jimmy Casas with Culture Eyes says every student, every day, whatever it takes. And we have situations where, hey, it's all hands on deck and we have lots of support. We have our social workers, we have a family life network where they meet monthly, where you have some school district leaders, you have local pastors. We have something called Slanko Neighborhood Ministries, where they have food and just everyone working together to support, hey, where, where's there a need? This family needs a bed. This family needs um, help with rent. And just all hands on deck to trying to support and make sure kids can come to school and learn at their best. So there, there's a lot of different barriers that we're seeing specifically around the rural poverty. 
Yeah, those are barriers. So how are you addressing those barriers? I mean, what what is within your means to do that, to address those? Yeah, we have, so Slyco Neighborhood Ministries, the local, like a food bank organization, they do a tremendous job in meeting needs. For example, here on Friday mornings, we have our life skills program at the high school will come down. They start at Slyco Neighborhood Ministries and they get food bags. Then they come to the families the, the families that qualify for the food bags and they deliver them the food bags and they'll take them home and have those meals for the weekend. And when I talk about the Slanko Family Life Network meetings, it is an area to network. So that's where a whole group of people are together. You have people presenting, but you learn of various needs within the community. And then you take those resources and say, hey, we need they need help with some construction on this house. Or as I said earlier, this family needs needs a few beds or they're going through this struggle. So it's really it really comes down to that networking piece to try to to meet the need of every family the best that you can. So I mean it seems very tight knit which is great. So what did you learn in that five and a half and a half years then that you're bringing to your role here then? I think it was I think it was just good when we talk about perspective and empathy, I had always been here so it's it's all I knew. And I'm a big believer in getting outside of the comfort zone. And, and part of that stretch when I was dealing with that anxiety and that depression, it was just a time of where all of a sudden I realized I wasn't maximizing my gifts and I wasn't stretching outside my comfort zone. I loved comfort. I loved the familiar, even though it's nothing too crazy. I went 45 minutes, 45, 50 minutes north. And it, it gave me a whole new perspective working in a community where I didn't know anyone. And you, you basically start um, ground zero, building relationships, meeting people. And so the district was Mannheim Central. I had a tremendous experience there. And then I went to Warwick School District, which is a neighboring district up there. And the same thing, you're stretching outside your comfort zone, you're meeting new people, and you're, you're continuing to grow in your leadership. So I, so I took those experiences there and now, now I'm back in Solanco. And as I said, you identify like, wow, my eyes have been opened up to some of the specific needs in here. But I think, like you think about people who've had an impact on you. So Dr. Aiken at Mannheim Central had a tremendous impact on me. Art Painter, Josh Weitzel. I really think about those names and relationships and those people that are still feeding into me um, and how they've impacted me and helped me grow as a leader. And I think a huge part of it is and, and I'll take this from Dr. Aiken, just being people focused where, hey, I, I'm here for the people. I, I'm here to serve. And that whole relationship is my role as administrator and really um, thinking people first with the teachers and making sure that domino effect where they're then at a good spot to take care of the students. I, I try to create a culture where people take care of themselves. For example, earlier this year, I had a teacher who shared that. Her husband told her, I noticed you're working less in the evenings and you're getting to bed earlier at night. And that's just a little thing that I try to build where staff feels that, hey, I'm not going to get an email from Zach in the evening. I'm not going to get an email from Zach on the weekends. So just trying to relieve that stress off of teachers and try to build that. So I'm I'm three months into my new role. So just trying to gradually build that culture where maybe they don't realize it yet, but whoa, I I don't have any as many emails in the inbox and and he's focused on me as a person. He wants me to separate. I tell him all the time, be where your feet are. So being present 
um, because I struggle. I, I say it because I struggle with it. And I know that's when I tend to be more anxious, when my mind is stretched at all different places. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to function when you're constantly doing that. And then when you, you change roles like this, I mean, there must be tremendous pressure to constantly serve because it sounds like your heart is in serving. And something that's very profound that somebody told me, she's a district leader, and she said that when you become an administrator, you have to give up and kind of grieve your teacher role because you're no longer serving students. You are serving teachers so they can serve students better. So what was that transition like for you when you made that transition? Yeah. It was, I remember, I remember the first time, actually, I remember I was assistant principal and I was walking around the building as kids were coming in, teachers were getting ready. Then the bell rang and kids went in their classrooms and there I was in the hallway. I was like, oh, this is a weird feeling. So, I mean, that was eye opening at first, but then like often leadership, you, you want to put people in the right spots to be successful. And I'm a big believer in you know, helping people, helping teachers maximize their gifts to help students maximize their gifts. So that is, that is taking the time to, to truly get to know them. And you can, like it, I'll tell us administrators, you still can really build relationships with kids as well. I know some administrators fear missing out on that, but that's where you're greeting them in the morning. You're, you're saying, you're sending them off. You're in the cafeteria with them. And it's not, it's not all fun and games. It's not, I try to post a lot of fun things that we do and things I really enjoy because I like having fun, but it's certainly hard work. It's hard. And that's why administrators, we need to lay the foundation for ourselves so we can, you know, be a foundation for the people that we lead. But I, but I would encourage administrators, like you still can be very connected with the kids, but you can certainly have a huge impact in, in how you're reaching teachers and just your leadership and empowering them and the different um, programs that you might be putting in place, just really having an eye on the culture, how you continue to build and to grow. Yeah. That authority role, when it changes, it changes the status among the kids in the building, parents, but teachers too. It's funny. We're doing a um, PD session with teachers and we're calling it asserting authority without being mean because they have a lot of they have a lot of stress over that. Like I want to, I have to assert my authority. They're not respecting the authority. They're challenging me all the time, but I don't want to be a jerk. How do we do that? Yeah, It goes back to those, those foundational things that you're talking yeah. about, the relationship building. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. use an example for that last, last yeah. week in the cafeteria. So I've been here three months. Um, so our building is K to five and, you know, fifth graders there, they're ready. Fifth graders are ready for middle school. They're ready for middle school. They're, they're doing their best. But they've been, they've been really struggling in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd like to think, and I, and I hope they would say the th same thing, that they know I really care about them and I appreciate them and I want them to do well. But I, uh, one day last week, I had to get very firm with them in the cafeteria. Like I, I had to get very firm. We had, we had a, a heart to heart where I did, I strategically raised my voice, yep. but hopefully they know like their best interest was in mine as I was having that conversation. And I remember after it, like I stepped away from it and I almost felt the next 30 minutes, I almost felt tired. Like it, it just brought a lot out of me. So there's that empathy lens too, as, as far as what teachers are doing and the amount that it can take out of you as you're interacting and, and working with the kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, educators just care. They yeah. just care. Right. Yeah. That's so important. Thank you. Wow. 
Well, I mean, how does time go by like this? My goodness. What, okay. What else do you need us to know? There's one other thing that you mentioned. You said that leadership prioritizes teachers and staff as people first, and you have an acronym for that. Can you yeah. break that down? Yeah. So that the acronym is people. And, and I was actually, I, I tell this. So it was, I was leaving my assistant principal position and I, I was about to become building principal, but I was leaving my principal, my assistant principal role for the last day. And I remember leaving the building. And I just, I just felt overcome with emotion. And as I left, it, it had been so challenging with the, the pandemic and COVID. And, and I remember just, I, I didn't, when I look back, I didn't see lesson plans. I didn't see COVID protocols. I just saw all those people that I walked side by side with for a few for a few years. And just the challenges that we went through, um, some of the struggles that they experienced. I remember one of the staff members had to go out on leave due to some mental health concerns. Um, there was an attendant secretary who had to step away because she was diagnosed with cancer, had a gym teacher whose dad accidentally fell on the ice, had a brain injury and passed away. And, and yet you have other teachers who um, get their master's degree or have a kid. You just see all of these stories. So I, so I just remember that feeling it was an awesome moment. Like, hey, what I'm doing is all about people. And so the, the P is prioritizing people. So first getting to know them. When we truly get to know them, that leads to the E, and that's empathize. So we then we get to know their story, and we can empathize along with them. And I'm a big believer, and you don't stop at empathy, and that O then is observe their needs and then move into action. And that's where that compassion piece takes place. And then the P I have is price. So you, you, you get to know them, you empathize, you observe their needs, and you can pray. And I know, I know some people have different thoughts. They're like, Enough thoughts and prayers, more action, but but prayer is certainly an action. And then as we truly get to know them, the L is love. So we so we want we want people to feel connected. And I'll share a story here. We had a student start in my previous position and was just really struggling. It was really struggling. They were a new student, but we had learned that they had some awful schooling experiences. And and to be honest, I was trying to move forward with confidence. And I remember the teacher said, we'll be okay. He just needs a little time. He just needs a little bit of time. And then a little time went by. And I remember talking to the guardian and they said, he's thriving. He's thriving because for the first time he feels loved and connected. Wow. And I always, I always think of that love piece where people, not just kids, adults, teachers, cafeteria workers, custodians, they need to feel loved and connected as well. So really, as you get to know them, so you can see it in parts, as you get to know them, you get to know their story, you observe their needs, and then you can really love those people. And the E is encourage. And I, I just know I've had so many encouragers in my life. There was one, there was one summer I was meeting with a mentor of mine, and I, I just wasn't, it was, I'm a thinker too. You know, I'm a thinker. I was like, is this going to be the best decision looking at these job opportunities? And he challenged me. He encouraged me to write two letters to myself as if it was 20 years from now. One letter being as if, hey, the right decisions were made and things worked out. The other letter being as if I looked back with a letter of regret. And he said, you, you might even want to write it from your kid's perspective. So I remember I I wrote a letter from my daughter who's nine, but it was this, she was 29. And one letter is if she wrote it to me, just, just with great decisions and how she was raised and the childhood for our family. And then another letter of like regret, like, Hey, 
it was still nice, but hey, you weren't fully present with us. Um, we, we know you, we know you loved us, but you weren't always home. I wish you were home more. So just those people that encourage us. So that E is encouraged and encourage isn't toxic positivity. I think in, in Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, he talks about the Stockdale paradox. And James Stockdale was a, a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And he shared the people who were able to survive had both optimism and realism. And I think that's what authentic encouragement is, where we're optimistic, we're bringing positivity, but we're also being realistic with things that are happening. And education is tough. So bringing that lens that, hey, there are challenges right now, um, but we're going to move forward in a positive way and making sure we're addressing that head on to really encourage the people that we lead. I mean, that's impactful. And I, I know you reach a lot of people through speaking. So if somebody wants to reach out to you to speak to their group or share that information, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so you can you can connect with me at zachbowermaster.com. Um, my email address is on there. I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram at zbowermaster. Twitter is pretty much my my main space right now, but those can be areas that they can connect with me. Oh my goodness! All right, so what if, is there one thing you want to leave everybody with? If they had to remember to do one thing, what is that? I, I would tell them it's all about people. <laughs> take take care of people and. Um, just remember we're, you know, we're all human beings. We're all running the, the race marked out for us. And we're, we want to be, make sure we're, you almost picture a race. And, you know, if, if you ever go to a, a half marathon or a marathon, a 5k, there's someone running and there's people along the way, encouraging them to keep going a little bit farther. So just being there to remember, it's all about people and encouraging one another along the way. Wow. Honestly, Zach, thank you so much for that, because I think we all need that encouragement right now in education. So this is a, a very timely, timely uh, time to talk about it, really. And if you guys want Zach's book, it's called Leading with a Humble Heart, a 40-day devotional for leaders. It's on Amazon. You can just go right there and get it. And um, you can connect right with Zach. And so, Zach, thank you so much for being here. Truly, I appreciate it so much. Charlie, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right.